0: Hey folks welcome to the machine repeat podcast episode number 47 thank you for stopping by to give us a listen uh apologize it's been a while since our last episode but uh obviously busy times in the farm Cuban market uh, planting season here and uh, just a little quick update before we hop into uh, this week's guest, who i'm sure you're going to enjoy our conversation a uh, little update on the market i'm still seeing very very strong auction sale pricing Uh, All the dynamics are still in place. The supply side of used equipment is tighter than I've ever seen it, 32 and a half years doing this. Uh, Obviously, demand is very strong. uh, And uh, good condition used equipment is selling very hot uh, across the board. You know, it's not limited to just tractors. uh, Really, all types of equipment in good condition. which is, this time of year, it's unusual. Again, I've been doing this 32 and a half years. Uh, May into early June has tended to be, for the first probably 27, 28 years I did this, uh, a little bit of a softer period, uh, because you know, you're know you talking about hopefully getting to the end of the planning season and then uh, can't control what's to come through the season. Uh, but this year, the, the buying mode is very aggressive. Uh, just a couple of examples. Uh, Last Wednesday on a a farm auction in Earlville, Illinois, so this was, uh, I believe, June 3rd or June 1st. No, June 1st. It was a 2012 John Deere 8235R tractor with uh, 1,017 hours on it. It was an unusual auction. It was uh, court-ordered with no online bidding. Now, I heard from some of our chain Repeat followers the crowd there was humongous. Uh, the tractor sold for 176,000 hammer price plus a 10% buyer's fee, making the total of 193,600 bucks for an 8235R. Uh, again, it's a 12 model, so you're you're getting out into that uh, you know earlier model, uh, you know <laughs> the stuff people want, 10 plus years old. But uh, the previous record high auction price was 186. That was set back in August of 21. Sullivan uh, Auctioneers had a sale. That was a 13 model with 990 hours. So again, here's a 12 model, just over 1,000 hours at 193.6. Interesting to note, the five highest auction prices ever on 82.35 hours have all come from the past 15 months. And seven of the eight highest auction prices ever, 82.35 are the past 15 months. So again, that pretty much tells you how hot the market's been. Just a few other data points. Uh, the average auction price this year on a 8235R Deer tractor is actually 147,441 bucks. Uh, that's up 54% versus uh, three years ago. In 2019, pre-pandemic, average auction price was running about 95.5. Um, so again, to see the average skyrocket 54%, that's just incredible. And actually, the current dealer advertised price on a 8235R is less than the average auction price. Uh, average dealer price just under 137.2. So again, the market, very strong. Um, and I think we're going to be testing some more highs here with our own Machine Repeat monthly online auction coming June 21st, uh, just in a couple weeks here. Um, and actually, the guest on our show today has the feature item on the auction. Uh, a gentleman's name, uh, Bernie Poor, a retired John Deere engineer. He retired as the manager of product technology. I met Bernie a number of years ago. Uh, I think he helped organize an event down by Waterloo with uh, John Deere engineering folks that I came down and spoke at. But uh, Bernie told me years ago about this, Pete, this, I got this one tractor. And Bernie has put it on our June 21st Sheen Repeat online auction. It's a 1982 John Deere 4640. One owner, 1,857 hours on it out at Bernie's Farm in Council Bluff, uh, Iowa area there. Uh, and we're going to have uh, Bernie tell us about the tractor and also a pickup that he's got on the auction, June 21st. The 2005 Chevy 3500 Silverado Dually Duramax diesel. 4x4, only 55,906 miles on it, silver color. So we're going to hear Bernie talk about those uh, items on our June 21st sale. But then we're going to dive in, and I tell you, Bernie has some amazing stories. Went to work for Deere in 1965 as a young engineer, uh, retired in 2006. So he's going to kind of walk us through the development of the different Deere Tractor Series through that time, the combine development, a fascinating story on how Deere was considering whether to make uh, a utility vehicle back in the day, uh, just fascinating insights. So uh, let's go to that conversation right now with Bernie Poor of Johnston, Iowa, retired John Deere engineer. Hey, folks, pleased to welcome our special guest to our Machine Repeat podcast, a friend of mine I met a number of years ago at a speaking engagement I did down by Waterloo. This is uh, Bernie Poor, retired John Deere engineer, now lives in Johnston, Iowa. Bernie, welcome to the podcast.
1: You bet. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Bernie, uh, we just finished recording uh, for our Machine Repeat TV auction edition, our TV show, preview of our June 21st online auction. And you, my friend, have the feature item on the sale. My goodness, what a tractor. Your 1982 uh, John Deere 4640, one owner, 1,857 actual hours. Uh, for our podcast listeners here, again, the sale is Tuesday, June 21st. But Bernie, can you tell us about your 4640 with 1,857 hours on it?
2: Oh, well, yeah, it uh, gets to be sort of a long story. Actually, like many John Deere engineers, I uh, kind of started farming on the side uh, back where I grew up and uh, bought some farmland and uh, and some farms. And uh, uh, so, uh, I, I actually, I started with a 730 diesel. <laughs> anyway, the uh, uh, 4640 uh, uh, I bought uh, new from actually the dealer was a high school classmate of mine uh, in Albert, Iowa, and... Uh, we uh, uh, I just used that for uh, you know tillage and you know disc and chisel plow and, sure. and things like that and uh, you know pretty much uh, just operated myself but uh, I took care of you know 150 acres or so on my own and uh, yep. uh, then ended up buying some more land and uh, you know having more custom farming so sure. as my uh, active involvement tapered back, why
0: the hours uh, kind of uh, tapered down to where. Uh, I was basically only using the tractor with the uh, batwing mower to uh, take care of some grassland and things. Okay. And the home farm, it, it's over Western Iowa, Bernie? Is that correct? R- right. It's it's technically at Council Bluffs, just across from uh, Bellevue, Nebraska, and okay. a very historic uh, pioneer area. Yeah. Yep. You. But I remember covering an auction in Bellevue uh, about 10, 12 years ago. That's always fun to get over in that neck of the woods there. And- but your uh, eighty-two forty-six forty. Let's see, it's a quad range, uh, eighteen-four forty-two duels, fifty series radar and monitor, sixteen front weights. Uh, now, I, I guess I should go back, Bernie. Your your career with John Deere as an engineer. You were a uh, you were manager of product technology, and I understand that you were directly involved with was it the uh, was it the transmission or the engine on the forty on the forty series uh, towards the? Uh, early uh, the
2: 80s? forty six forty, I actually was responsible for the uh, for the engine for a while and uh,
0: okay. uh, the uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so must must have been kind of a personal point of pride to own your forty six forty over these years and. uh and again you said you weren't using it much you we were chuckling before on the tv interview you were saying how many hours have you put on in the last like eight nine years
2: well i think the dealer wrote on the oil filter in 2013 about uh, 75 hours ago okay
0: well that's uh yeah i just don't see you know 40 series with under 2,000 hours every day bernie so you are sitting on a kind of a you know, a tractor that uh, I, I have no doubt will attract a ton of interest on our June 21st online well, it's, auction.
2: It, it, it has been a very good, very useful, very trouble-free uh, uh, tractor. And uh, I think I shared with you a photograph of a plaque that talks about uh, more iron in the horses, which was an
0: advertising campaign in, in 82 or in the, uh, that era about uh, uh Beefing up the 30 series tractors to the 40 series. Be more iron. What was the slogan again? More?
2: More iron in the horses. Oh, boy. that
0: That's, I think, just rung continually uh, more deeply and resonating more with people through the decades here. Uh, you know, that's what people sit, when people buy these tractors or when they're shopping for them or on our website or Facebook, Bernie, talking about their love of these. You know, these 30, 40-year-old tractors like Deer 40 series, they, you know, they say these things are bulletproof. They run forever. If I got to work on them, I can work on them. They're just, you know, they get the job done and yours is that rare unicorn loops along a one owner owned by a John Deere engineer in this case, but, you know, hardly any hours on it. So uh, how did that make you feel over the years? You must have been aware of these comments on these 30, 40, 50, 55 series tractors, uh, right.
2: Well, it points out. I, I get a little bit uh, out of date. I mentioned I, I actually had a seventy-seven twenty combine that I bought used from my brother that, that he had traded in, and uh, some of my said, Oh, that was all mechanical. <laughs> mm, right. <laughs> and, and so, in the era when uh, you know a lot of you know electronics and uh, things have uh, migrated into those products, uh, right? Product, right. Uh, these uh, mechanical products were uh, were all. Uh, all very, uh, very strong and, uh, and reliable, but yeah. you know, they're,
0: uh, they're not as convenient, but, uh, that goes with the show. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, I remember being uh, down at the uh, National Farm Machinery show in Louisville, uh, right before the pandemic hit. So I guess it was February of 2000, Bernie and Deer. I thought it was a brilliant move on their part. They were, I think they were introducing their narrow transport planner. I think it's like a 1745 or something, but in the marketing, uh, They had, you know, were touting that it was easily able to be uh, hauled by an older tractor. And they had a 4430, a restored one that was, I think we did another Machinery Pete podcast with the owner of that one guy out of Seymour, Indiana. But I told him, I said, your 4430 is going to be the one thing that people leave the farm show talking about. And he told me they had, had two wedding proposals in front of that thing. Guys with their girlfriends at the farm show. So that's the level of devotion to these tractors that you spent your career working on. Uh, again, the uh, the love for them is just never ending. It seems
2: right. In fact, my my father bought a new forty four thirty back in the day, and uh, we were my wife and I were both working in Waterloo product engineering Waterloo and
0: product engineering, and uh, so we arranged for a, a customer visit. That, uh, they actually ran his forty four thirty in on a dyno for him uh, in the tractor works. Okay. No, well, that's good stuff. And and let's just wrap up, Bernie, on the on the in terms of our June twenty first auction. Uh the year eighty two forty six forty with eighteen hundred and fifty seven hours is one of three pieces you have on our auction. You also have a, a really sharp nineteen ninety two John 1518 15 foot batwing. It's always sure. always been always been stored, has new hydraulic hoses, is that correct?
2: Right, right. Yeah, I've, I've used that as you know, some Missouri Riverbank property that I've owned for years and years. And uh, so it pretty much goes with the uh, tractor as my uh, kind
0: of trying to downsize my uh, my equipment. And uh, so it's uh, has a heavy duty Waldershide uh, PTO and, uh, and all of the good heavy-duty equipment on it. Right. Well, perfect time to be selling that Batwing mower. I know Bernie, I mentioned last month on our Machine Repeat Online auction, we saw a, saw a record price on an HX-15 deer, a little newer, Uh brought 18,000 bucks. I think that that might have been brand new actually, a couple years old, never used. But um before I get to your last item on the auction, I just want to toss in in case folks are interested, you know, on your 4640. Uh, on the June 21st auction. Just go to our website folks, machinerypeat.com. You'll see the online auction link, click it, and you gotta check this out. There's 30 pictures of Bernie's 4640. And I can report that uh, on the auction price side, I believe the three highest auction prices I've ever seen on 4640s have all come from the past couple years. Of course, folks might remember that one. Sullivan sold back in August of 19 in Bingham Lake, Minnesota, 61,000 bucks. John Kinzenbaugh actually bought it, uh, 79 model, 826 hours. But last year at auction in 2021, we saw one at 55,000 in Janesville, Iowa with 3,800 plus hours. And then we saw uh, July of 21 out of Humphrey, Nebraska, Another 4640 at 50K with 3,200 hours. And again, Bernie's only got 1,857 hours. Now, Bernie, as awesome as your 4640 is your pickup on our auction. That might even spin more heads. It's a 2005 Chevy 3500 Silverado Dually Duramax diesel, 4x4, 55,906 miles on it. Can you tell us about this rig?
2: Yes, that's, uh, that's correct. I, I bought that, uh, used, uh, we were, uh, doing some, uh, uh, truck camper, uh, vacations, sure. a couple of trips to Alaska and whatnot. And wow. uh, so I, I had a smaller camper on a three quarter ton and wanted to upgrade to a heavier, uh, Lance camper. So I, uh, bought this, uh, uh, 2005, uh, and, uh, you know, set it up for the Lance camper. We put, uh, uh, you know, uh, camper shocks and uh, firestone air boost, and they actually added a leaf to the rear springs. So it's uh, it's set up uh, for uh, fairly heavy duty work, but it's never uh, towed heavy loads or anything. It's uh, and it's never been chipped or uh, or tinkered with uh, hmm. from that respect. It's okay. uh, it's all stock uh, standard, and uh, as usual, uh, we kind of upgraded our uh, camping world to uh, to motorhomes and. Uh, so, and so the, uh, the camper went away, but, uh, I'd gotten in the habit. I had a you know, mini excavator and a, you know, equipment trailer and stuff that I, uh, kind of hauled back and forth to a different farm property. And, sure. um, so, uh, the, uh, really has only, uh, been, uh, used for that for uh, a number of years.
0: Wow. So, and you've only used yeah. it in the summer, always shedded.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it, uh, it sleeps in the heated building over the winter, uh, uh, and uh, the uh, we've pretty much been wintering in Florida for a number of years, and uh, so uh, since I've owned it, it's never been uh, driven in the winter time. Uh, not a speck of rust on it, and uh, it's, uh, it's always been uh, very reliable. Uh, uh, and uh, and it's it's really a, a, a kind of a thrill to, to run it around
0: because mm. those things uh, perform so nice, and it's of course totally pre emissions. There's. Right. There's no uh, no exhaust filter, no death, uh, Right. none of that. Well, folks, here's your chance, June 21st. You can go check it out on machinerypeat.com, but Bernie's 2005 Chevy 3500 Silverado Dooley Duramax diesel, 55,906 miles. It sells to the highest bidder, so here's your chance. You know what those new pickups cost. You know how hard it is to find a used one, uh, like Bernie said, pre-emissions with these kind of miles. Uh, so uh, here's your chance again. Uh, now, Bernie, let's let's wind this back a little bit. You are a retired John Deere engineer. What year did you go to work for John Deere?
2: Let's see. I went to work for John Deere in uh, November of uh, 1965.
0: 65. Okay, well, that's one year before I was born. So <laughs> <laughs> I was born December 1st of 65. Uh, now, you were an Iowa State grad. Is that right?
2: That's correct. Uh, graduated in agricultural engineering, uh, uh, and uh, I did uh, pick up a master's degree uh, there in that process. And okay. So, so I joined uh, John Deere
0: in uh, what was it then an engineering research division in uh, Moline, Illinois. Okay. Well, we, we need to do a shout out for uh, Iowa State engineering program in the ag engineering. Just fantastic program there. Uh our youngest daughter, Josie, wound up being a chemical engineer. We looked at Iowa State, loved it, loved the program. So the listeners out there, if you've got young kids who love science and math, love farming, hey, get down to Ames, check out the program there. Uh, you know, people like Bernie went through and made it what it is. Uh, and Bernie, that's kind of actually kind of how we met back, like, you know, was it 10 <laughs> plus years ago? That's correct.
2: I was just going to mention, we do. I did set up a little... Uh, Innovation and Advanced Technology a Fellowship program there that my wife and I support uh, mm-hmm. with
0: the uh, Agricultural Engineering uh, Department and uh, Innovation Center uh, there at uh, at Ames. Well, so giving back to Iowa State, that is uh, that's fantastic, Bernie. Hats off to you and your wife for doing that. I, I suppose as you look back over your career, uh, that starting foundation, uh, I mean, that's pretty important stuff, in it? Yeah, that's right. And uh, and part of my chain of getting to John Gear was uh, uh, a uh, master's degree uh, uh, fellowship grant uh, we worked on, actually, uh, A Cubing. A Cubing. All right. Well, you know, Bernie, I, I have to thank you. You sent me, uh, and I think we talked about this at that event you organized that I came, you had me come down and speak at maybe 10, 12 years ago. but... Um, you, you sent me a, a amazing document kind of putting together the uh, some of the developments with deer that you were involved with from your time in the mid-60s. Uh, and when did you retire, by the way?
2: I retired in 2006.
0: 2006, and, uh,
2: okay. But I, I did continue working for, I uh, do three or four years uh, uh, as a... Uh, callback consultant like a lot of people who took the retirement program so okay. some of the advanced stuff uh, i worked on uh, i uh, contributed uh, after i actually after i retired
0: okay and bernie were you telling me the deer uh tried to make i mean it would make sense to me but make a habit of hiring engineers who were still involved in their in their family farming operation
2: yeah, well that uh, whether it was a habit or just uh, the kind of facts of how it happened especially in uh, waterloo uh uh, the, uh, people in the engineering department, that uh, generally, uh, even if they came from elsewhere, uh, you know, bought a farm out north of Waterloo and committed yeah. to the product engineering center. And, uh, so they went to work at 7 a.m., got off at 3.30 and, uh, went back
0: and took care of their uh, farming projects. Right. Well, I love it. So you started November of 65. And again, what were some of the first things that you, uh, did for deer there in your role as a new employee? get kind of wild but uh, you know i, I
2: had the first uh, kind of a boring assignment working on uh, cleaning systems for a combine
1: mm. but, but then i had an opportunity uh our vice president and of, uh, and of uh, engineering
2: uh, had kind of come up with uh, uh, a gas turbine mission and back in that day uh, boeing and ford and others were uh, building over the road trucks chrysler had a car so actually i put a uh, PT6 gas turbine in a uh, J6101 Caterpillar Scraper. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and, well, that was kind of fun. And then we did go on to build our own gas turbine engine at uh, Waterloo and the engine group. Uh, uh,
0: and uh, we uh, built and ran that uh, with some uh, consultants working with uh, Pratt and & Whitney and uh, mm. uh People like that, and uh, but as as the world evolved, the uh, the diesel engine world got serious about turbocharging and intercooling and upgrading. So you couldn't chase the fuel economy of the diesel with a gas turbine. Right. So it, it eventually drifted out of interest. Huh. But I suppose from the Dear corporate and uh, engineering, and you have to look. I mean, you're dealing with trying to stay ahead of the curve, and. Uh, not get caught flat footed, whether it's engines, exactly. transmissions. Exactly. Well, Bernie, and again, I have to thank you for the amazing document you sent uh, Ag, Ag Machinery Developments 1960 to 2010, your notes on projects, your observations. Uh, if you don't mind, maybe I'll just tee you up to some of the topics. Uh, just fascinating stuff. Uh,
2: sure. I was just going to add if, if I didn't work on it, I was there when it happened. And right. So, uh, you know, you learned more at the coffee
0: break oftentimes than you did in formal meetings. Well, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs>
2: right.
0: That's, uh, yeah, that's how I've tried to build my machinery repeat business by listening. There's a lot we can learn. Now, you start off, I'm mentioning about the 4020s and then again up through the 8,000, 9,000 series. It was just an amazing uh, evolution you saw during your career. I mean, from 65 to 06. With the tractors of deer that I mean as you look back that uh you, I mean you were there when kind of when deer really became deer I mean it just cemented
2: Well, as I've observed and mentioned that there was never really a more fortunate time to join John Deere in, in engineering of uh, tractors because uh, uh, you know with the uh, uh, international harvester uh, kind of uh, tapering off and
0: uh, losing their edge Mm -hmm. and Deere uh, moved in. And uh, uh, so the engineering uh, uh, efforts at John Deere were, were were very aggressive and busy and filled with opportunity. Mm. Right. Well, I I was intrigued you, you mentioned uh, in a note about, I think it was a turbo Turbo built 4510 with with some engine issues that uh, kind uh,
2: of... Well, that's, in fact, what ripped me out of Moline and sent me uh, to Waterloo. Uh, uh, the 4510 was the first turbocharged uh, production tractor. And uh, when, the, uh, uh, when it got when put in production, uh, the engineers didn't really understand... Uh, uh, a turbocharged engine technology and the piston ring requirements. And so they ended up, uh, with an oil consumption issue. And so, uh, uh, vice presidents get awful excited when things like that are happening. So they <laughs> sent a team of about 20 of us
0: from our technology center wow. to Waterloo to fix the engine. You you were sent to Waterloo to, to, uh, put out the fire, so to speak, fix it.
2: Exactly exactly
0: fix it and you uh mentioned that sort of led to the what the forty three twenty and forty six twenty uh Correct. as a fix uh so that would have been what i suppose 72 71 72
2: yeah, those yeah those were like 1970 71 72 the 73 models were uh, 30 series yep. which all had the same technology so the uh, we always thought we always called the forty four thirty in nineteen
0: seventy two, but the uh, uh, commercial model was actually uh, seventy three. Yeah, that makes me think of a, a photograph, uh, Bernie. That I don't know if I've ever we've ever talked about it, but uh, I was at an auction uh, in Hamilton, Illinois. Sullivan Auctioneers so had this. Is like probably, I don't know ten plus years ago, but there was a uh, a guy. Uh, as I get older, I'm good with numbers, but names. Gave me it was from Colgan it was Tim Colgan, with uh, he was working for KSR equipment John Deere dealer, and his dad Joe Colgan had been a dealer since the '40s, and he said Pete, I got a couple pictures I want to send you Polaroids, and I said cool, and he, they were from August of '72, and, okay. and it was the, the the new rollout. They had uh, cardboard all over the cabs in the in the in the implement there in uh, Wyoming Illinois. Uh, colgan implement of the new what the new sound guard uh the new cabs but that was yeah august of 72 yeah and uh it it struck me that uh you know it was 50 years ago now this summer but uh compared to new product rollouts now back then it was like hey here you go here's a couple let's put cardboard over the cabs and off we go yeah an interesting sidebar on the on the
2: tab in the Forty-four thirty. Uh, you know the uh, engineering uh, went to work on a on a quiet cab, which claimed the SoundGuard body uh, name, and uh, marketing only estimated that less than ten percent of the uh, customers would order or pay that premium. Mm. And
1: uh, like some other inventions, like uh, independent front suspension, it turned out instantly eighty percent of the orders came in for those. Wow. So, so that meant uh, burning a lot of midnight oil because the factory wasn't too old <laughs> to do that.
0: So you so engineers, was, you from your, your, your experience out in the field, you couldn't convince the marketing folks like this is gonna be big, big, big?
2: No, marketing was uh, always puts the brakes on advanced technology.
0: Well, they found out in short order what you guys had created. Uh, you had a winner there that people still love and appreciate. Yeah, well, the
2: world gets even with them.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh that's great. Now hey, on the topic of that era, uh let's talk uh transmission. So the quad range, you had your fingers or what was your remembrance of uh that development?
2: Well, in uh yeah that became, you know, dear had the old uh, sync range transmission in the uh 20 series tractors and uh, so uh the uh, International Harvester, you know, had the infamous torque Amplifier. Yep. So, and to integrate a, a two-speed power shift uh, into the system, uh, Deer coined the range this uh, Quad Range uh, Transmission. Yep. And uh, so, I-, I liked it actually for my forty-six forty because the eight-speed power shift for an engineer didn't have enough. Gear ratios to match the load, mm-hmm. and uh, so quad range wasn't perfect in, in ratio sparing, but in the working range, you had uh, you know about four or five ratios that were pretty close together. You had to maybe work a little bit to get to them where you wanted it to be, yep. but uh, that was a, a big advantage. And so that transmission uh, uh, went along for a number of years until uh, the power quads and uh, and uh, fifteen speed and. And 19 speeds, uh, the then uh, then
0: finally the infinitely variable transmission. Right. Well, Bernie, let's just walk forward in time here again. Now we touched on like your involvement with the, the 4640 engine and of course yours on our June 21st sale, but as dear we rolled into the 80s, the 50 series, and then in late 80s, the 55s into the 60s, in the 90s. I mean, these again, they're just revered model series. Uh, what are your remembrances of working on those tractors? Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, during
1: that period, you know, I had gone back to uh, research and uh, okay. uh, advanced machine concepts work, and then product technology. But, but I still ended up, uh, you know, called back on special occasions. And since I uh, I knew the uh, the uh, five hundred series engine in the eighty six forty and
2: whatnot very well, and that's another long story of uh, we had some trouble with that engine that uh, we ended up uh, fortunately got corrected and. But I, I came back and worked on what we called the ten, ten one twelve five uh, engine, which uh, was the overhead cam, electronic unit injector, higher uh, output uh, that ended up in the nine thousand series mm. uh, uh, four wheel drive tractors. Okay, and uh, and that engine really uh, paved the way and uh, uh, really modernized those tractors that made that, that nine thousand series. Uh, Tractor a real winner, and uh, following that in higher production, the uh, the 400 series engines and the 8.1s and the nine liters used a pure electrohydraulic engine, uh, uh, injection system that uh, uh, was uh, had more flexibility than the uh, than the uh, cam operated unit injector. So, mm-hmm. so that was the evolution of that technology.
0: Uh, Bernie, I'm just kind of fascinated here on the one hand, because one, we have a, I, I didn't have any uh, exposure to engineering growing up. I, I wish I would have. I loved math and science and, and data and research, but uh, and our youngest daughter is a chemical engineer. So as I've got a little exposure to the engineering field, I'm just fascinated. As you were rolling out, you know, whether it's the tractors or the combines, or these new model series, you know, you guys, folks as engineers work on them. But then, what part does the customer feedback or the feedback from the dealers? I mean, can you speak to that in terms of the process and, and tweaking things as the model series ages? And, and I imagine that has to be a quite a vibrant uh, intersection there.
2: Uh, yes, it is, and uh, it's probably one of the more difficult to, uh, to listen to and uh, uh, and to uh, respond to, I guess. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't hurt to uh, you know have you know real farmers using these products, which helps them actually be better listeners, mm-hmm. and uh, and then uh, feedback that comes from uh, dealers and customers. Uh, there were uh, formal programs, but those were
0: generally administered by marketing, and uh, mm. as as I mentioned before, uh, marketing often underestimates uh, the uh, value that. Customer will place on, uh, on say uh, speed and comfort. Uh, you know, for right. example, the uh, the independent front suspension on the eight thousand series uh, again was uh, only going to be about a ten percent thing, and I think they went to eighty percent right away. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, well that's interesting. I'm kind of fascinated. Again, I'm a data data guy at heart, but um, even as the internet has, has advanced here over thirty years, I suppose, 30 years now, roughly, in the internet, Uh, uh, in terms of whatever product it is. I mean, kind of cataloging and making a formal database of user experiences and comments, I would imagine could be maybe more helpful to engineers to more streamline the, the advancements, but that's just me looking from the outside in. I don't know, or is that almost problematic as an engineering group to have all these users pinging you with, well, I think you should do this. I think you should do that.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of right. It's not a problem, but it's uh, something that's sort of never really been well organized. You know, I, I, I did run an advanced machine concepts group in, uh, in
0: Moline for a number of years before I became manager of product technology. And, uh, and we did things like, uh, uh, Started the process that resulted in the John Deere Gator. Mm. Was Well, wow, now let, let's talk about that. You sent me a note on that. That whole uh, you watched the birthplace of that sector, which is a, such a mammoth sector now. you utility vehicles. I mean, what was it like back with Deere? Is that was were you ahead of the game looking into it?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, it was back in one of those turndowns downs uh, in mar- in. Uh, sales maybe in 1988 or something like that uh, dates uh, aren't in my mind but a couple of my uh, advanced concept engineers uh, came to me and i uh, said bernie the shop doesn't have anything to do do you care if we would uh, you know work on a couple uh, put some uh, utility boxes on a couple of uh, lawn and garden tractor chassis and mm-hmm. make a make a vehicle that's more handy than a pickup truck for a farmer or a, um, groundskeeper uh, to uh, to work from, so they put uh, a, a small bed on a four thousand four hundred series lawn tractor and one on a smaller tractor and uh, okay. demonstrated that idea. And they called them gopher vehicles for a gopher, <laughs> you know.
0: Oh, they called them gopher
2: tools G-O-F-E-R-S, or whatever.
0: G o f e r s, gophers. So that product, that product, those ideas got shown at a couple of. Uh, Shows and uh, so both you know Waterloo and Horicon uh, Engineering kind of argued over it, and it uh, started projects that never happened. And uh, so then they bought this uh, six-wheel machine that was waiting well, in production as a AMT six hundred or something like that yep, yep. that, that uh, was in production a few years, but it had some issues, and it was uh, at a high center of gravity and tended to be easy to tip over, and it was. Still, Built narrow to go in the back of a pickup. Mm. And uh, so uh, the technical center got involved in some simulation work, skid running. So we, uh, working with Hurricane,
2: evolved this 4x4 uh, uh, four four, uh, Gator vehicle that uh, could only go 15 miles an hour because of. Um, liability issues sure and uh, so deer was always very uh, concerned about being the first in the market with uh, something with a big liability exposure sure uh the but the gator kind of helped kick off the uh, you know the kawasaki's and the hondas and uh, deer never did build what they called a quad you know a, Mm -hmm. a, a motorcycle type quad just because of liability issues but uh so the uh, that side-by-side four-wheel utility or four six four-wheel drive utility vehicle basically kind of came out of that whole life
0: oh and you were saying uh, did I catch it right that Deere's early looks into this space kind of piggybacking off of that some success on the snowmobile front
2: uh right right yeah the snowmobile front was kind of a Uh, of a dip into that world and uh, it kind of went probably further into the sport world than John Deere uh, uh, really uh, in the long term had a good fit with and so Deere ended up selling those designs which were very good by that time Hmm. and very competitive racing and everywhere else to Polaris but uh, uh, that uh, was kind of a dip a little
0: too far of, uh, you know, they were considered jet skis, um, which that's the Kawasaki name, but water okay. machines and okay. things like that. But, you know, the, the liability and uh, familiarity with the market uh, kind of uh, put a, a cap on the ability to go that far. Right. Well, that's, uh, we should probably do a whole separate podcast on the early development of the snowmobile. I know any, I've, I've posted some videos about snowmobile collectors, the vintage ones, and out on YouTube, and they seem to attract a ton of commentary. Uh, and now, hey, we have to throw the marketing folks a bone at deer because uh, with the snowmobile, isn't that where the phrase, nothing runs like a deer came with the marketing for the deer snowmobile? I think it may have. Uh, the uh, consumer products division and
2: uh, you know the mowing people and whatnot uh, grabbed it up pretty quick, <laughs> right? <laughs> As well, well. but uh, yeah, it probably came out of the automobile uh, marketing.
0: Well, now let's hop back to tractors, Bernie, uh, specifically four wheel drives. So again, you started with Deere in '65 uh, through the 2000s. Uh, boy, you talked the 7520s on up into the 8000 30s Onwards, uh, that must've been interesting to observe or be involved with, uh, that development.
2: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Cause I was there when, you know, deer was uh, marketing some Wagner's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and then they, uh,
2: they built a tractor. It was, I don't know, uh, 8010
1: maybe mm-hmm. was the
2: correct name. They built, uh, a bunch of those that were kind of patterned after the Wagner
0: and, uh, End up buying all those back, I think. Uh, yeah. By Mecham, the way, uh, do you know what those eighty tens sell for at auction now, Bernie? <laughs> no,
2: I bet they sell for a lot.
0: Uh, I think we saw one brushing right up against two hundred thousand, or maybe a little over, recently. On wow. The, on the Mecklen auction, yeah, I think there were only a 10s or something. Maybe. 80. Yeah,
2: could be, and uh, I I think. Uh, Deer either tried or offered to buy those back, and I wasn't. Uh, they, they had issues with uh, oh, oil would migrate
0: from different compartments and overflow, right. and just you know different practical things. As usual, deer would fix those things eventually, yep. and yep. Uh, but it uh, caused customers a great amount of grief. Right. Well, hey, we all have a little grief along the way. That's part of life, I that's guess. Right. But uh, that's right. Let's talk, let's talk combines again, uh, like you said before, I mean, the timing of your career starting with deer in the mid-60s, so on the combine front, you're talking about what, the 45s, the 55s, the 95s, 105s, up till getting into the modern ones. But what a run, what a, what a run that was.
2: Right, yeah, you went into the 95 hundreds
0: and, mm-hmm. uh, and and the real modern Skullwalker machines and uh, but it was really obvious that, uh, you know, as uh, Case IH and New Holland began to uh, rack up some market share, that uh, something was going to have to happen. And uh, so
2: I was, you know, kind of got involved in that. And in a strange way, a uh, uh, vice president came to us, do something, Bernie, even if it's wrong. <laughs> and, and we put together a machine, we, we made a bet with the harvester engineering that we could we we could do a uh, ninety nine twenty combine capacity in a seventy seven twenty chassis. A ninety
0: nine twenty. Uh, please continue with this story.
2: And uh, so we we uh, combined a bunch of technologies. Some Germans. The German combines had a cross shaker, a tying device that uh, uh, fluffed the mat in straw walkers. And uh, in fact, the guy's name was Homer Witzel, and the device was named. Nicknamed the Witzel Watzel. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, the, uh, we created a twin rotor tying separator And uh, behind a conventional cylinder with a single beater that fed those. And it went into production as the CTS. Okay. And in uh, Europe and Canada, it was very popular for a number of years. It was uh, uh, very popular. Uh, just very high capacity and heavy wheat. It yeah. was its big advantage. And uh, so uh, we uh, finally, uh, the Harvester Works uh, decided that they had to do a, uh, basically a rotary combine. And deer as in some of my notes, had built rotary combines like the IH1s back in 1960. Mm, but okay. uh, never felt it uh, made the grade in all conditions mm. so so actually we got accused uh, the manager of uh, harvester engineering called a meeting and said we'd done a disservice to the corporation in disrupting his production mm. <laughs> wow and, but that was sort of the end of the small life. Wow! So the uh, the uh, uh, then they actually called it, I think, uh, STS, sure. uh, and then various uh, changes as it as evolved into the current uh, uh, rotary combine technology.
0: So when you were starting in 1965 and having grown up on the farm there in Iowa, Bernie, uh, we're talking combines. I mean, going from like a 55, could you have ever foreseen that we, you know, like an S 790?
2: Type of uh, well, no, no, not really. In fact, when I grew up, we had a uh, a six foot uh, Massey Harris Clipper pull pipe. There
0: you go, you could do 15,000 acres with that thing, right? You're right. Wow, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you know, it I a I don't think agriculture gets enough credit, uh, myself, Bernie, for the, how far we've come so quickly with these. And it's thanks to folks like you, engineers of deer, and the other corporations for. For figuring this stuff out, but I mean, in 1965—it's really not that long ago. But the distance we've come is just incredible.
2: Yeah, that's right. And and it was you know not a uh, not a clean and pretty process. Uh, you know the uh, the and and working with the uh, this advanced technology uh, uh, group uh, was. Uh, Kind of interesting because we we got into all of those uh, kinds of uh, uh, technology versus the uh, tried and true uh, issues. Right. And, uh, so uh, part of my success at Deer was uh, i uh, I kind of became known as uh, known for, uh, for working when I, by the time I retired the term forty years under the radar, that was me. 40 years under the radar. I I worked on what was fun and and what was advanced. And, you know, I I probably turned down a lot of uh, management jobs because of that. And uh, and the one thing I learned, you had to know uh, know when to hide from vice presidents and (laughs) know when to show your cards. Yes. the old Kenny
0: Rogers, know when to hold them, no when to fold them. Right. You find a pony to ride and ride it. That's what I... <laughs>
2: yeah, right, right. That's what right. I told Art. So, but, uh, hmm. yeah, you didn't want to show your cards when, uh, when you're going to get shot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is very good advice. <clears throat> now, Bernie, I have to ask you about... I have to admit, I wasn't expecting <clears throat> in your uh, awesome document you sent me to touch on tractor pulling. But this, this is fascinating. The... Uh, Kind of the history going back to, uh, and I've met Eddie Seidenstricker, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, right. With our yeah. friend in Missouri there, great John Deere dealer, Seidenstricker Noby now, but his famous Cajun Queen, uh, 4020 pulling tractor. And can you talk about this? How before that was developed, uh, there was some angst being created in the higher offices of deer by getting their butt kicked on the red side on the tractor pulling circuit? Well, yeah, that was kind of the story, and uh, Eddie and the Cajun Queen is kind of the one that brought it to the
2: head. Uh, uh, the uh, International uh, Engineering in uh, Kingsdale and uh, mm-hmm. combined with their uh, truck groups, there was uh, uh, an engineering group uh, that began to actually share uh, turbocharger information
0: and stuff with customers who were building turbo. Uh, pulling tractors. Sure. But if you didn't have access to fuel injection parts and
2: uh, turbocharger parts that weren't in the John Deere parts book, uh, you were kind of screwed, so you had to uh, yep. uh, scavenge up what fit. And so, hmm. uh, uh, so Eddie uh, called in, I don't know, maybe Bob Carlson or some somebody. Uh, uh, where they were beginning to compete with this uh, original Cajun Queen tractor. Yep. And so uh, so we went underground and uh, worked with them for uh, a season, held uh, the tractor pulling parts in my airplane and whatever. Yep. <laughs> hmm. And so we developed our own pulling tractor in uh, uh, 4320 and uh, the uh, we put the series turbochargers on a uh, uh, 400 series engine that we had actually bored out to 5020 size. and uh, Hmm. So it was a a 505 and the the thing ran like uh, 550 horsepower at 2100 RPM. Wow. As as we were hiding under the dyno when the throttle linkage stuck. (laughs) But but anyway that began to evolve then into uh, more series turbocharging and uh, the 400 series engine at higher RPM and uh, right. more competitive, uh, more competitive uh, tractor pulling. But that also uh, that kind of got me into the John Deere engine business because uh, for production because uh, my experience we were generating with doing that yeah. uh, kind of woke some
0: people up. Oh yeah, I bet. Uh, <clears throat> and folks, if you if you Want more info on the Cajun Queen? Uh, it's been a few years now, but I did post a YouTube interview with Eddie Seidenstricker when we were filming for U.S. Farm Report down at uh, at one of his uh, great stores there. And uh, I think we actually it was one of in one of his back sheds. We were just walking by, and it's like, oh, Cajun Queen. And I, I can't remember if he displays that now in one of his stores. But and uh, who was the name of the engineer he worked with locally? It was Van?
2: Was his, van botkins, botkins was the okay. driver he was a tech he's just a service manager at the dealership when yep. they built the original page Queen
0: okay van yeah botkins. yeah I know Eddie spoke uh, a legendary figure there and I think
2: um, van, yeah, van, yeah. His yeah he passed away young of some sort of cancer there right. the, along the line in that process but uh, right. uh, yeah yeah that uh, yeah so the the in fact, I've, I've seen your uh, your interview uh, in the past. I don't okay. remember <laughs> where somebody probably sent it to me, but uh, uh, yeah, I've seen that uh, session. And, well, uh, I'm finding have got a 16 millimeter film of uh, it was actually filmed by T V in uh, in uh, Dubuque, Iowa yeah. of of our 4320 whipping. Uh, Kicking butt at a, at a tractor pull.
0: Oh, Bernie, we need to talk, my friend. We need to convert that to a digital. Uh, show the world. Well, that,
2: <laughs> that is awesome. Over at the farm, It's still got a label on it. I never found the. uh I've never found a home for it. But, but wow. one of the interesting things we did for that tractor, uh, and I was kind of the guy. One that did it. Uh, buddy of mine did did most of the engine real work, and uh, so to get a clutch to work, that tractor had a dry clutch. So we uh, rigged up a little trick. We uh, paralleled up the PTO clutch to the transmission. So mm. we, we created a dry dual clutch. Wow. <laughs> and we rigged a, a little linkage from the clutch pedal to the valve that operated the PTO clutch. So that as you uh, engage the uh, traction clutch, you got the PTO clutch thing as well. Wow. And we just put a climb, uh, spline connector between the two shafts in the front of the transmission, and uh, so uh, so we
0: could uh, a six thousand pull. We could uh, start the uh, start the sled and road gear. Wow! All in all, in a day's work, Bernie. Wow, that is amazing.
2: That is it's, yeah,
0: fantastic. Now I, I want to loop around here a little bit, uh, and again, your title was manager of product technology, and of course. We talk technology now with agriculture, the whole Precision Ag space has just been incredibly uh, advancing at warp speed here. But uh, what are your memories with Precision Ag with your career as a deer engineer there? Uh,
2: I mean, when did that start to bubble up? That goes back to about the same time we created the Gators. A lot of people in the company, uh, because the cuts in budgets, didn't have a lot to do. Hmm. So so we, a buddy of mine and uh, uh, created a uh, kind of an ad hoc team we called 1990X. Okay. And this was in the eh, late 80s sometime. And uh, so we wanted to uh, put together what uh, the field was calling for uh, in uh, technology. And uh, one of my guys asked if he could go buy a Magellan GPS. And I said, yeah, go for it. Hmm. And... Uh, we uh, uh, we 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 actually ended up doing the first field mapping uh, there uh, at the uh, test farm at Moline, mm. but uh, uh, this group ended up being a uh, you know a group of maybe around a hundred engineers that cooperated around both uh, Europe and uh, U.S. and uh, we uh, we met and put together kind of a major presentation and. Uh, University people and farmers have been uh, crying for yield monitors on combines, oh. and so that was one of our uh, uh, leaders in bringing that into uh, action, and because with the GPS mapping of the field combined with the, uh, instantaneous yield monitoring as the combine went through the field, uh, and uh, you could then put maps, to overlay soil maps, and uh, and things like that, and uh, and that just that kind of turned it loose. Hmm. And uh, we uh, we uh, uh, the uh, what was called uh, oh uh, the uh, egg uh, the technology group anyway was formed. You know, we met with a couple of vice presidents, and they put yep. together a team. Uh, and started a new business down on River Drive in uh, Moline in, uh, you know, probably 89 or 90. Okay. Began to, uh, begin to
0: uh, uh, you know, created that uh, whole process. And uh, interesting and I had issues with uh, the factories felt uh, uh, ignored in that process eventually because oh. they got left out of the loop for a while. Okay. <laughs> so that slowed it down a bit, but uh, but it's still... Uh, it had enough momentum; it happened. Yeah, so, interesting. Like you were mentioning about uh, the timing of it in the eighties, I suppose, mid to late eighties, when maybe things were slower, maybe creating creating a window for some of that exploration.
2: Exactly. Exactly. There was uh, uh, you know a lot of engineers that have budgets cut and programs cut and uh, but at that point the deer didn't uh, lay them off I mean but uh, they kind of had to figure out what to do on their own hmm. and uh, so uh, that whole uh, technology effort uh, uh, just kind of uh, exploded from there and, and of course it latched on to the uh, 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 technology uh, of the uh,
0: you know GPS of chips and right. you know, electronics and things. Right. That, uh, it was it just kind of a uh, of a great match of uh, of of matching a, an opportunity and a need to what was available out in the uh, computer world. Right. Well, just curious, Bernie, as you look now, I guess back on your career, but also forward. You know, with your farm roots, you're still on the farm there, and uh, on the topic of precision ag, just. Ex- explosion we're seeing uh you know Deere's high-speed planners and the improvements there and and now with the uh on the spraying side the little cameras out back and i mean do you think young people engineers getting into the industry right now or in essence sort of like you were in in the, in the mid 60s on the tractor side but with the same on the precision egg side for the next coming decades what's going to happen
2: yeah i think that opportunity is there in fact you know i had my fingers in all of that i mean we we did electric planters in the 1990s and mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it, takes, wow. it
2: only takes 20 years or something for those ideas to hmm. really uh, materialize but <laughs> yeah that's kind of uh, you know one of my uh, motivations and we've worked uh, you know uh, my the, our guys my groups uh, worked with Iowa State in the uh, 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 cave, the the three-dimensional cave technology, mm. and uh, did a lot of projects uh, uh, at the university mm. in uh, C6. Uh, those uh, names come to mind, but uh, don't really have time to explain their origin mm. of all that. But uh, the uh, uh, that whole uh, effort
0: uh, helped in this uh, uh, especially in, in being able to uh, design a project by walking around inside the combine and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, that, that all has uh, happened. And would you say, Bernie, again, looking back on your career, that your, your, your farm roots, I mean, uh, I'm guessing you would say served you pretty well throughout your engineering career. Uh, and if so, just verbalize how that helped you as an engineer.
2: Yeah, well, I was, uh, you know, I, I was a, a great gearhead as a kid, I guess, uh, you know, kind of awed by uh, my uh, my father overhauling tractors in the corn crib shed
1: mm-hmm. and, and, uh,
2: and things like that. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I studied and, and looked at, uh, you know, how transmissions went together and, uh, you know, how, uh, how things were designed and built and uh, became very... Uh, very familiar with the uh, hardware and uh, technology of manufacturing, How these things were sure. things were put together. Uh, you know, I, I guess when I was a little kid, I took apart all my grandparents' old uh, watches
0: and
2: oh. put them in a. They all ended up in parts in a box. You know, and okay. you know, put them back together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what did Grandpa <laughs> think of that?
2: Some sort of a uh, of a technology IQ test for a kid.
0: Nice. <laughs> You know, I've, I I don't know anything about watches, but I've heard that the old watches from like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, were built so well that they often still function just as good as day one.
2: Right, right. Well, yeah, you, you watch uh, America, you know Pickers on TV, and yep. uh, you know Mike Wolf and all that. They yep. uh, they get into that all the time.
0: No, that's good stuff. Well,
2: well, I was going to mention you know I I uh, I didn't restore the uh, the, the Farmall H that came when I was six years old oh, and, wow. and I, I have it sitting in my shed down at the farm. And, uh, Very it's, nice. uh,
0: it's, and I was six years old, but I remember when the dealer delivered that. <laughs> wow. That was a big day, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah. It was. I'm often struck by visiting with people out at uh, auctions or events. They will come up and tell me those stories and quite often they'll remember if it was the sun was shining that day or what day of the week it was. Um, Pretty
1: much, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that is cool. So the retired John Deere engineer does have a restored farm hall on the home on the farm. That's good.
2: That's right. I've got a nice uh, super MTA there in the shed that uh, I never painted, but uh, it's it's all uh, all set up and functional and runs good. And, wow. Yeah, I, I actually used it. But it was a tractor that my uncle bought new. But my dad had looked at it, considered buying it. My mm. uncle bought it. So I, I operated
0: the tractor when it was new. Nice. Well, I'm always so, interested in, in old dealership names. I don't suppose you remember the name of that farm dealership way back in the day that your dad bought that from?
2: Oh, <sighs> yeah, actually, the, the Weldon's in Council Bluffs. Weldon's. Uh, W-E-L-D-O-N, was the dealer, and they were actually up on West West 4th Street uh, when we looked at the tractor, but they moved down on the uh, South Omaha Bridge Road. (laughs) The
0: old Main Street dealership, huh? And uh, working out, built a big Quonset building. And uh, in fact, my
2: my dad traded this H for a, a Super M tractor at one time and hmm. uh, but missed it and bought it back after they painted it oh, and fixed it up. Okay. <laughs> so it came back home.
0: Well, what did your dad think of you becoming a with becoming an engineer for deer with apparently you had some love for the red there. That was dad uh I'm sure dad was well, proud they all
2: converted to John Deere before I went to work for John okay. Deere. They, uh, <laughs> they, they they bought my brother bought a forty ten and that was the end of red.
0: Now, so oh the next generation that was it, huh?
2: Yep. Yep. That was the
0: end of red. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's, uh, you know, I, I gotta tell you, Bernie, all these years uh, doing podcasts and YouTube interviews, uh, the most fun interviews I do are like guys like you, engineers. Uh, I don't know. Did you catch by chance those, you know, the late Harold Brock, uh, the interviews I did with him back in 2010, I think.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I have. In fact, I uh, went to Iowa State to one of his last uh, uh, sessions where he was talking about his time with uh, Henry Ford. Yeah, uh, in the uh, in the factory with uh, with old uh, Henry. And in fact, uh, you know, uh, Harold was my boss at one time at really? Waterloo when okay. I first went there.
0: What was what was it like working for Harold?
2: uh he was uh, the manager of product engineering, and so uh, sure. I was many layers down. But he was he was a great uh, a great individual, just uh, a very uh, pleasant individual. And uh, he he actually came to Deer because of the Ford SelectoSpeed uh, yep. planetary power shift transmission. Yep, and and Deer uh, brought him in to. Uh, to lead the development of the eight-speed power shift that uh, went in production, I guess was the first 4020s or well, maybe just, yeah, I think so. I, my, my timing, I don't quite remember. I think, I think that was the first 4020 after the 4010. History but It was a year or so later.
0: History judged that to be a pretty smart move on Deersport, I think. Yeah, 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 it, it was, uh,
1: it was the had to happen kind of thing. Yeah, and, that's awesome. And And like I said, the only uh, issue with that is uh, farming got faster and more productive. The uh, number of speeds uh, got to be uh, an issue. And uh, that was partly where the uh, quad range
0: filled in for a while as the uh, and then the the famous 16-speed or 15-speed, I guess it was, in the yep. 8,000. Uh, and I know all the horror stories on that one, too. I don't know if I put them on my paper or not. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the skeletons in the closet, Bernie?
2: All yeah, the skeletons on that sucker, yeah. I
0: suppose engineering, that's just part of, I mean, you have to expect the skeletons. I mean, you're going to hit bumps, right?
2: Yeah, some of these things were uh, engineered or created by project managers who did not take advantage or pay attention to the uh, technology issues. (laughs) Mm. And uh, so that was one that uh, it was uh, part of this 8,000 series tractor concept that uh, uh, had a lot of holes in its uh, Mm. uh, design.
0: (laughs) Well, all I can tell you now, Bernie, is when I see a nice 8,000 series out there, I'm telling you, it rings the bell just like your 4640 is going to ring the bell on June 21st on our machine repeat monthly online yeah, auction.
2: I still had my uh, the, the 8120 that I that had about 800 hours on it that I used oh. for a few years for land leveling and I, I sold it because I decided it was really too big it didn't replace the 4640. Oh. <laughs> so I sold it to a guy but uh, anyway. Well, it didn't sound it's uh
0: yeah, I don't <laughs> I, I could tell you what they've been going for now, Bernie, but... Uh, I don't want to hear <laughs> Well, you told me, though, uh, someone was trying to get you to trade your 4640, and you drew the line there, so that's good.
2: Exactly, exactly. I didn't let go of that one.
0: All right. Hey, Bernie, one last question here. Again, I'm fascinated by the field of engineering, and yeah. uh, I, I'm just motivated to uh, help paint a clearer picture of the field to you know, maybe parents who have kids who love math and science, but don't have any background in it. What what would be your advice to, uh, to a young kid out there, maybe, I don't know, 14, 15, 13, 16, that loves math and science about becoming an engineer? What would you tell them?
2: Yeah, that's a difficult question because you know, in my case, you know, it wasn't really a love of math and science that okay. you, you 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 have to have a passion for the the product or the uh, some vision of uh, of, of, a, of something okay. to chase. And and so, in, in my case, uh, you know, I could visualize uh, you know tractors and advances and engines and tractors just as a kid and yep. so uh, math and science uh, I was happened to be good at I guess my lucky genetics hmm. <laughs> my IQ was sufficient <laughs> to, do <it laughs> to do that and uh, so uh,
0: but the vision piece being able to see the down the road
2: and so that's why I'm trying to support the innovation center at Iowa State this guy Jim Oliver that runs it uh and uh, so I've been uh, trying to work with them to, uh, you know, to help uh, motivate some students. But uh, but that gets to be a hard hard thing to win. Most of them, a lot of them don't understand that. And as you mm-hmm. support projects, uh, you know, the uh, the suppliers, like the hydraulics people, like uh, Sunstrand, and they're not Sunstrand anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and Whatever, uh, they put money in to keep advanced technology out so uh, electric transmissions you know, was one example and uh, we worked on electric drives at John Deere for my, the last 10-15 years of my career mm. and uh, built stuff and demonstrated stuff that's actually all happening, I mean there's a new electric IVT and 8,000, big 8,000 tractor now, like mm. an 800 horsepower version or something like that yeah. and, and as the power goes up, uh, this uh, uh, electric uh, drive world takes over you know the advancements in uh, silicon devices to to drive motors and stuff well uh, uh paves that way so so anyway the key is 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 in the vision side and uh, you you just have to be not afraid of math and uh, tech and uh, mm-hmm. technology yep. but i'm not sure that math and technology drives it it's it's hmm. got to come from the vision side
0: interesting i i love that uh not being afraid and then uh yeah, I mean, try to try to make a better product. That's, that'll never go away for being a needed uh,
2: piece yeah, of business. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really the driver. I mean, it, it's kind of, if, if, uh, you know, putting pieces together like that,
0: trip your trigger, uh, go for it. Right. Uh, it probably goes back to Legos now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Bernie, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your amazing experiences over the decades, your career with John Deere as an engineer, a retiring manager of product technology. Uh, and thank you for, for listing your, your amazing eighty two forty six forty eighteen hundred fifty seven 1,857 hours on our June 21st auction. Folks, check that out. It's an amazing tractor. And Bernie, I thank you again so much for, for the conversation and sharing your insights. It's been a pleasure.
2: You bet. I, uh... Was hoping we'd get together and to have this conversation
0: someday. Well, this is just the start, Bernie. Uh, you you know when you're up in Rochester again, we're gonna one of these days we're gonna connect and have that dinner and lunch, continue the conversation, and I'm quite sure we'll be calling you to uh, a, a future guest on upcoming episodes of Machine Repeat Podcast. Okay, I
1: appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with my friend Bernie Poor, retired John Deere engineer retired as the manager of product technology in 2006. Fascinating to hear the stories uh, get under the hood with Bernie, uh, hearing how John Deere Deere's a company down to the engineering folks uh, were uh, dealing with these uh, challenges and opportunities with the new tractor models through the late 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, the combines. Uh, fascinating to hear about from Bernie how Deere was considering the new market segments emerging back in the day utility vehicles, ATVs, and uh, on into Precision Ag in the mid-80s, starting to think about what that could be. And again, I just find it uh, uh, so interesting to get uh, kind of an insider's look at these uh, tractors and this equipment that's helped us farm uh, the ground all these years, do the job that you guys do out there to feed the world. So thank you to Bernie for that. And of course, at the top of the interview, we highlighted... Couple of uh, unbelievably nice items Bernie has selling on our Machine Repeat Monthly Online Auction June 21st, including his 1982 John Deere 4640, 1857 hours, one owner, just incredible. Quad range, eighteen point four forty two 42 duals, 50 series radar and monitor, 16 front weights, just super sharp. Uh, the highest auction price I've ever seen on a 4640, 61000 bucks, but that was back in August of 19, and that was before the market took off, um, so I think Bernie's going to be right up there, uh, and also he is selling his 2005 Chevy 3500 Silverado Dually Duramax diesel 4x4, 55,906 miles on its second owner, always shedded, only used in the summer to pull a camper. Uh, Again, go to our website, machineryp.com, check out that June 21st auction uh, and some other fantastic equipment on the sale, folks. Uh, we have a pair of 2022 John Deere tractors from our good friends at Heritage Equipment. We have a 5065E, just a couple hours on it, 65 horse with a loader and warranty. And then also a John Deere 5045E, e couple hours on it, 45 horse with a roll bar and a 520 loader with warranty. Again, those are from Heritage Tractor out of Joplin, Missouri. And then uh, a few other items to highlight. We have a New Holland 4630 two-wheel drive tractor, only 308 hours on it with a Woods 1027 loader out of Dublin, Texas. Uh, one of the nicest uh, vertical tillage uh, opportunities to be a buyer, folks. We have a 2012 Case IH 330 TurboTill 25-foot this is from uh, the seller. is Bill Roloff out near Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. A one-owner rig. Only 1,000 acres of use on this thing total. 10 years old. And I tell you, all of Bill's equipment is super nice. Uh, we've got some walk-around video on that coming. Uh, some other interesting items. We have a 2016 New Holland RB460 round baler out of Huntsville, Texas. Only 1,676 bales through it. Like new condition. Uh, net... Point on that uh, and let's see also this might be of interest to you a 1976 Cub Cadet Spirit of 76 garden tractor from Austin Texas don't see many of those around uh, coming up on 50 years old but again our auction is June 21st just go to our website machinerepeat.com check it out click that bid button folks and we'll have a preview tv show of the auction on RFD TV uh, airing on Tuesday Thursday Saturday plus our Machine Repeat YouTube channel. So again, thank you to the guest this week, Bernie Poore, and uh, thank you for listening to our Machine Repeat podcast episode number uh, 47. And uh, hopefully I will see you folks soon out on the trail. And until then, uh, keep your chin up and uh, stay tuned to machinerypeat.com